Designing software experiences is one thing. Understanding the needs of people buying a physical product is entirely different. Or is it? Today, I'm talking to Andy Vitali about designing experiences at 3M and his new role at Polaris, where they make motorcycles and ATVs. This is Design Driven, the podcast about using design thinking to build great products and lasting companies. Whether you're running a startup or trying something new inside a Fortune 1000, the tools, methods, and insights we talk about will help you create things people love. Design Driven is brought to you by Nine Labs, guiding innovators and product teams through executing their vision. Find out more at NineLabs.com. And now, your host, Jay Cornelius. Welcome back to Design Driven, everyone. We're super excited to have Andy with us today. He is the Director of User Experience at Polaris Industries. They make ATVs and other uh, power sports products and other things. So, hey, Andy, how are you today? I'm good, Jay. How are you? I'm great. I'm, I'm really interested to hear what a user experience director at a power sports company does because you know most of the people we talk to on this show are making digital products and, and you're making stuff you get to go out and have real fun on so tell us a little bit about what you're doing there yeah sure so to be honest i'm still super new i've been in my role about a month and that's with the holidays that's not a lot of days in the office so i'm still trying to get my head around what we do but polaris is the company behind indian motorcycles uh, ATVs, snowmobiles, gem electric vehicles, military vehicles, and the slingshot. The slingshot's probably, to me, one of the coolest things. It's a cross between a car and a motorcycle. And I'm sure I'm violating some sort of agreement or rule about how we describe it. But just for everyone to understand, it's it's literally a cross between a car and a motorcycle. It's street legal here in Minnesota. It kind of looks like the Batmobile. It's, it's awesome. And what I'm really excited about is this power sports industry, the, the riders, the, the users are so passionate and that passion really comes through. And I know a lot of times we talk about, Hey, you know what? We're not our user, but here everybody in this company is so passionate about the industry and their riders. And obviously we know they know the business better than a lot of people. So they're not our target audience all the time, but it's really nice to have people that are familiar with the product to make sure that we succeed and we do things in the best interest for other riders and, and people that are just, it's a fun industry. It's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. It sounds like uh, you get to do some of the ultimate dog fooding, right? You get to go out and actually try the real products and, and have fun on them. Yeah, exactly. I, I haven't had a chance to ride yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So, um, but you're not that new to physical products because before Polaris, you were at 3M for a while. Yeah. So I was at 3M. I was a design principal for the healthcare business group. 3M and healthcare has six divisions that they support. Um, drug delivery system makes physical and digital products around how ways to deliver drugs. So inhalers, transdermal patches, micro needles, and, and what do you do with that data? There's critical and chronic care, infection prevention, oral care. And the division that I primarily supported was our health information systems division. So that's enterprise software solutions for inpatient and outpatient encounters in hospitals. And 3M had a natural language processing engine that would take all of this documentation and auto-suggest codes while a patient was still in the hospital if it was inpatient or for an outpatient encounter. And then a lot of people don't realize 3M created the methodologies that the insurance companies group 
diagnoses and when they bill you for your insurance. So we're trying to process all of this data and get that information while the patient's still in the hospital to measure that quality of care, make sure things are going okay, reduce uh, potentially preventable complications or readmissions. And then at the same time, try to get the bill out the door as fast as possible. Yeah, 3M's a lot more than post-it notes, right? Definitely. Definitely a lot more than post-it notes and scotch tape. Although we did have a supply closet with as many post-it notes as a designer could dream of having. Yeah, I imagine. I had a good friend of mine used to work for uh, Newell, which has Sharpie. And so they had the unlimited Sharpie supply. And it was like, if you, if you could marry those two supply closets, it'd be a UX designer's dream. Oh, I know. And our creative director while I was there actually left and ended up at Newell as a VP of design, which is really a, a great experience for her. And she did a lot of great things with our brand while we were there, well, while I was there and she was there. But we're both on to uh, new and exciting adventures, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So um, back to being an, ex- uh, an experienced designer for a physical product. Is that the stuff that you're working on or are you working on stuff that's still highly digital? I'm working on stuff that's still highly digital. Um, design is still growing in maturity here. That was kind of one of the things that inspired me to come here. That ability to be able to grow design at the maturity level of places that I've worked for in the past. Um, We've got an industrial design team. We've got CGI teams. They're actually, the industrial design team doesn't sit where my team sits. The CGI team works on, we've got product configurators. They report a little bit differently into a content team. There's another team out in California with a few designers here that work on the in-dashboard app and the mobile application. My team is primarily focused right now on the web experience and also there's a dealership um, extranet that, that we work on also. Yeah, that makes sense. So um, what is your day-to-day like? What, are you, what kind of problems are you solving on a day-to-day basis? Right now, just coming in to Polaris, the problems that I'm trying to solve are aligned with the, te- the problems my team is trying to solve, but they're still a little bit differently. I'm kind of sitting back and understanding how the business operates and seeing ways to improve things and where design can kind of add more value than it has in the past. So I'm just kind of understanding the capabilities of my team, assessing the projects that they work on, working on the roadmap for next year with our business partners. But my team day to day is handling a lot of different landing page designs. There's a lot of migrations going on. We just switched to a different backend. So there's a lot of how do we migrate this one business or division over to the new um, server that we have, the new platform. And also at the same time, there's a lot of different landing pages, contests, kind of like marketing pages that they have to work on, but they're tasked with helping the business understand the problems that they want to solve instead of just trying to put together a solution and measuring the analytics. Traditionally, design is kind of here has played this role of I'm going to help you build kind of what you want and I'll try to add as much value to it as I can. But at the end of the day, it was kind of more like a service organization where we're trying to play more of a strategic role now and helping them solve real problems and understand customer behaviors. So that's 
kind of that in between of where the team is starting to play and where I see the team going. But for now, it's it's really about, for me, educating our business partners on what UX is, the value that we have, the value that we bring, the capabilities on the team, and how we can help them solve problems going forward and get better results. Yeah, so it sounds like it's still um, relatively early as far as having a, a proper UX design practice at Polaris. Um, but obviously, they see the value in it because they've made the investment to build a team and to bring you on. What do you see as the the business goals that the senior leadership has for the design process? And then and then how do you see yourself and, and your team executing on that? Sure. So one of the things that we're trying to do is really just sell products. At the end of the day, we want to provide an engaging experience to our customers that make them feel like they're part of a community, this larger writing community that inspires them to go out and buy more of our products or just buy our products for the first time. Our products we know are kind of like, I don't want to call them luxury products, but they are not necessities, right? They're, it's, it's kind of like a second vehicle or a recreational vehicle. So, we've got to really inspire them and make them want to make that decision. And a lot of times making that decision to purchase one of our vehicles takes time. It's not just purchase on a whim. So it's probably a highly emotional decision too, right? It is. It's definitely emotional and, and it really is based on this, this passion. A lot of our riders, our owners, they grew up with a Polaris vehicle, the, the snowmobile. Everybody in Minnesota knows about Polaris snowmobiles. I've lived in the South before I came here, so I'm not really up to speed on on what's going on in uh, snowmobiles or uh, even ATVs. You know, in Florida, where I lived, was, was not a, a place where ATVs were driven, but definitely I've seen the slingshot on the road. I've seen Indian motorcycles. So for us, we really want to sell vehicles. We want to make sure that people are finding our vehicles easily. We want to make sure that the content that we're providing to them is relevant to them. It's really about informing them to make a purchase. And then from there, we want to make things more efficient. So switching to this new platform is supposed to definitely will make creating these pages a lot easier. Just like a traditional e-commerce company, there are different times of year, different promotions that we have to produce and create. And along the way, we really want to have process improvements internally. It's the same thing as any other design team. It's how do we fix things or solve things by validating with customers before we spend time to build them? How do we prioritize our roadmap based on the value that it brings to customers, which in turn provides the value to the company? And then how do we really make things more efficiently so that people aren't reinventing the wheel every time? Designers, developers, they don't want to have to do the same thing over and over again. They want to become more efficient so they can focus on larger problems or even that occasional innovation or fun project as opposed to just trying to build another landing page or how many times can we redo this navigation? So really we want to start to focus on customer research, really spend time with our users, understand their unarticulated needs, what those motivators are to get them to buy things, what those um, decisive moments are in the purchasing funnel. And then by getting them engaged is going to help us over time. 
Yeah, sure. So can you talk a little bit about how you how you do that? How do you go about understanding the psychology and kind of the motivations of a uh, power sports or a, a kind of a recreational vehicle buyer? Sure. So the, the first thing you have to do, and it, it it could be any industry, is spend time with with your users, your owners, your riders, the people that are going to use your product. You've got to really build a relationship with them through transparency and leverage their knowledge and even the things that they don't know to help them make better, more informed decisions. So I'm a firm believer in just putting things in front of people at whatever fidelity, lowest as possible in the beginning and just kind of working with them and seeing what makes sense to them and seeing what sparks excitement in them, what adds delight to their experience and just over time, you have to become their advocate, but it's it's more than becoming their advocate. Uh, I've heard, so I'm going to just take it off track for a second because there's something that I recently heard somebody say that's really stuck in my head and it's something I brought here as a design principle. So Mauro Porcini, who is the chief design officer at Pepsi, was at 3M previous to my time there. So I had never met Mauro, but I heard him speak And he had said something about not just satisfying your users, but loving them. And that has become like our first design principle here. It's about loving your users, making things delightful for them, never letting that magic die, spending time with them to really understand what they're passionate about and how to provide value to them. By doing that, you in turn give them the opportunity to love your company, your brand back. And that's what we really want to do. We want to become that. We are kind of, especially for Indian and Razor, we're that sweetheart brand. And we want to make sure that we stay there and that people always talk about us with excitement and we've got this reverence for our brand that, that we want to maintain. Yeah, it's, it's, that's a good point. I, I, I'll paraphrase both Brian Chesky, one of the co-founders of Airbnb and Spinal Tap. Uh, he has a thing saying, you know, how do we take it to 11? If we were to design, you know, the experience that was an 11 on the scale, what would that look like? And so it sounds like that's kind of a similar philosophy of, you know, really make something that your users love and and provide something for them that that's a, you know, a a really, really high amount of value. Right. And for us, it, it really is, goes back to information. How do we present information in a way to them that's engaging? We've got a ton of great videos and content and photos. But at the end of the day, we still have to make sure that they can go onto our site and configure the vehicle that they want, that they envision in their garage. We also have to make sure that they can get all of the information that they want as far as product specifications. But realize there are definitely distinct user groups. We, If we treat every user like our loyal customers, we're going to lose new users because they're going to get lost on a site. So we've got to make sure that that information is balanced so that people can find things that are new to them, but also allow those people that need specific engine specs or want to compare a few different models that might be a difference in in like 50 horsepower that the average first time user might not understand. We've got to make that available and accessible to everybody. Sure. Because different people are going to value different things. Someone might be more concerned about the color and someone else might be more concerned about the engine size or horsepower. And you have to try to accommodate both of those people, right? 
Right, exactly. So how do you strike that balance between, um, as you said, somebody who's a lifetime Polaris customer and knows what they want and is really interested in some in-depth specifications to somebody who's entertaining the idea of buying something like this for the first time and has all kinds of, of newbie questions? How do you strike that balance between servicing both of them? It's about understanding the differences between the two user groups and the similarities. And it goes back to personas and how we can kind of structure our information architecture so that things are easily accessible by any user and and going back to testing and always refining that and figuring out as we learn every day, we've got a ton of analytics. We definitely know the, the what when it, in terms of what's going on. The thing that we haven't done a good job of as of right now are those qualitative metrics, the why things are happening. Mm -hmm. So it really is about taking that time to understand our users and just figure out how we can position things or provide information to them in ways that make sense depending on that user group. And it really does just boil down to spending time with them to understand them so are you doing that in person? Are you doing that uh, over the phone or over some type of screen share? Or how are you collecting that information? How are you how are you talking to your users? Right now, we're using remote software to test with them. Uh, for 2018, our goal is to spend more FaceTime with them. And we've also started to build a relationship with our customer service center so that we can understand the main concerns that our customers have and how can we get kind of in front of them that we're putting, as we're finalizing budget, we're putting that plan in place to spend more time with users right now. A lot of the information that we have are based on surveys. Uh, we have a lot of heat map capabilities that we get. We have all of the analytics in the world. Now we have to really figure out the reasoning behind it. And the goal is to spend time with users. We do a lot of, rider groups and events and i'm super excited to go out and and see those dealer shows for for the first time for me because that will put me right at all at the feet of all of our customers and just well a lot of people that aren't designers ux designers would be in awe of the event and you know what cool vehicles there are our team they're they're going to just enjoy that time immersing ourselves with our customers and getting to know them and just having conversations with them and, and talking to them and feeding off that energy to, to better understand them. So I know that we have some trips scheduled for next year for that. We're working on um, getting the, the uh, agreement signed with some moderated and unmoderated remote user testing software. And then it's just going to be, you know, taking a, a run in the afternoon over to a dealership and, and, as down and dirty guerrilla testing or guerrilla research that we can do because that's going to give us that real feedback that we, that we want. Yeah, no, exactly. And it, it, I think you're spot on by saying, you know, the more time you can spend face to face with a customer, the better you're going to understand their needs and, and their wants and their pain points and so forth. Are you, um, are, are you thinking about how to get, access FaceTime with all of those different customer segments? I mean, is, are events enough or you know, how do you stitch together your analytics with your, your in-person FaceTime with these people? 
Right. Yeah, no, it's definitely the events are not enough. So I have to spend more time as I'm meeting people throughout the organization with our sales staff, with our marketing teams to figure out who are customers that we need to get in front of are and how we do that. So it's a little bit different here again, based on maturity level than it was at 3M. At 3M, we had customers that were lining up to work with us. They wanted to be part of the process. They wanted to feel like they were helping what was coming. It was different because we were building software that they used every day, where now I've got to meet with, I've got to get different groups involved. We've got to get those industrial designers to come with us. I'm sure they're doing research. They're in a different office. I'm actually going on Friday to meet them for the first time. So I want to see if they're going out to do any research that we can piggyback on so that we can sit down and leverage that trip that's already basically covered financially. But at the same time, it's already set up, which is the hardest part to get that time scheduled on on people's calendar. So if we can go there and leverage that and and learn and, and synthesize that research from different perspectives, I mean, we're designers, we're all focused on users, it's user centered focus for sure. But Having worked with industrial designers before, they're looking at things a little bit differently than, than say, digital designers are right now. So really, we can, I hate to use the term kill two birds with one stone because it sounds so cliche, but we will do that because it's an, a time slot that's afforded to us and why not take advantage of that? So we really do need to just figure out ways to explain to the business and prove along the way the value so that they allow for us to spend more time with customers. And I think that it's going to be really easy to see as we start to become more familiar with that customer and we can tie those learnings to to different KPIs and whether that be satisfaction or loyalty and all of the, the regular ROI and engagement that we use, but also adoption of new features and retention and understand their behaviors, whether they're a new user or new to our site or second or third time to our site, and then start to really build what that customer journey segment looks like. Right. And once you do that, or as you're doing that, you start to expose a lot more um, touch points and, and similarities between maybe what the industrial designers are doing, what the marketing team is doing and what you're working on, which ultimately leads to uh, more efficiency and greater understanding of your customers as a whole, right? Right. Exactly. It's about understanding that ecosystem and all of the different touch points and where they might interact or overlap along the way. Sure. Can you talk a little bit about um, how you interact with the the industrial design team and understanding customer needs and, and help? Like, are you creating kind of a shared vocabulary or how are you doing things so that both of those teams see some benefit from working together? Sure. Again, it, it's a little early on to speak on my experience at Polaris, but I can definitely talk about what how things were at 3M. So at 3M, a lot of times we were making a, a digital interface for a physical product. So we were working hand in hand with the industrial design team. Our our healthcare design team had a mix of design researchers, industrial designers, and UX designers. And when I say UX designers, I'm talking strategy, information architecture, content strategy, uh, visual design, interaction design, and, and front end development, which really were cranking out more robust prototypes. So we would have we would sit down and and kind of figure out what our goals were. So we knew we would observe users, but we had to observe them with intent. We had to have a desired outcome that we were looking to get. Mm 
So they would be looking for things like ergonomics and would this, how does this device fit in your hand? And, and again, that's all part of the experience. So it made sense for us to work closely together and figure out exactly what we wanted to learn so that if we had the opportunity to split up and talk to more customers while we were there, we would make sure that we were able to gain the insights that both sides kind of needed. So they might have been focused more on button placement on the physical device, and we were more concerned with the the end-to-end experience and what displayed on the digital device and was it relevant and how that data kind of connected to a larger system. So it was kind of educating some of them or educating each other on on what the other party were looking for. And then from there, we would just observe and try to show something, get feedback on something if we could, build something together with the users that we were visiting, and then come back and really like take time to synthesize it and put where the similarities or the as we would map out these touch points, we could kind of see what played together and what was kind of, all right, you know what, we don't really have to worry about this, but we do have input on the physical device. Did we hear that it needs to be handheld instead of tabletop? Are we making sure that what they're doing is solving that problem? Because at the end of the day, it's about, at least it was when we were working on those devices, it was about uh, efficiency and it was about accuracy and, and getting the right results and being able to uh, not disrupt workflow because workflow happens all over around the one single touch point. There are other things going on at different times with different users. So it really was understanding that. And it took both the industrial designers and the UX designers to to work together to understand that. Yeah. And I can imagine in healthcare where the stakes are, are pretty high. So if you make a mistake and, and um, someone gets the wrong medication or someone gets the wrong treatment or something, you know, that's, much more impactful than if someone can't choose the right shade of blue for their motorcycle, right? So, exactly. So that interaction and that uh, cooperation between those two departments is, is really critical. Uh, and that's one of the things that fascinates me most about kind of the future of experience design is as people are using screens for more and more things and as screens become more and more a part of, of our everyday existence and even doing simple things like like the coffee maker or the fridge are now getting screens, you know, that crossover between the physical and the digital world is, is getting blurrier and blurrier. So I'd love it, to hear your it, take on, on, you know, how do we prepare for that as, as, as practitioners and as business people, how do we prepare for that, that increasing convergence of physical and digital experiences? Yeah, I think that it's a mix of educating ourselves and educating others at the same time. So sharing that information that we learned, it feels like it's also coming full circle. So what was once very physical, a physical device, we tried to figure out how we could take that and make that digital and simplify that and ways to tie data together easier. But now it seems like we want to kind of take that digital interface away, but still leverage the data through a digital source. Mm. So we're trying to go with more voice activated commands or ways to just interact with something still in a physical way, but having digital outputs from that. And as different trends come into play and, and we start to create this virtual world or an augmented reality addition to a, a physical component, so that really is blending that physical and digital together. 
Um, we're learning as designers, we learn from ourselves, from our industry, from the people we interact with. And then it's up to us to really help teach our business partners about what's happening and what's new in technology and design. Our business partners, a lot of times, they come to us with an idea, something that they heard about. And it's really up to us to not bring that idea to life, but to help influence that idea and then bring it to life. So it is really about educating them. Hey, I know that you want to, you have this item on your roadmap. You want to create this voice command, but is that really the problem that we need to solve? It really is level setting the expectations of the business, but still when they do have this idea that, that they bring to the table, we want to make sure that we can teach them how to make that from an idea that they have to the best idea that that could be the one that pre provides the most value to our customers. So it is a continual education process. And as designers, we're constantly learning and our business team is learning too. So it really is just working together to make sure that what we're doing is solving the, the user problems and marrying them to the, the goals of the business. Yeah, it sounds like just keeping your your focus in the right spot, like not just creating a voice interface because it's the new shiny thing, but because it's actually the right way to solve the problem for the customer. Exactly. Yeah, good stuff. Hey, um, Andy, thanks for coming on the show today. Um, if somebody wants to reach out to you and learn a little bit more about what you're working on or just kind of chat in general, what's the best way to get in touch? I feel like I'm most active on Twitter. It's at Andy Vitelli. Uh, I'm on all of the social channels. I've got a really bad website that's up that's just a compilation of some articles that I've written that have come out and some speaking gigs I've done or have coming up. But I definitely would love to talk to anyone that reaches out. Like I'm inspired by people, talking to people, learning from people. So happy to have a conversation. Awesome. Well, we'll link that up in the show notes on the website. And as I said, thanks again. It's, it's great to hear what you're working on. And um, I look forward to getting you back on the show soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Jay. That's it for today. Design Driven is brought to you by Nine Labs, guiding innovators and product teams through executing their vision. Find out how they can help improve your digital products at NineLabs.com. Have comments, questions, or an idea you'd like us to cover? Point your browser to designdriven.biz and click Contact Us at the top of your screen. We'd love to hear from you. Tell your friends and colleagues about the Design Driven Pod. Post on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or send them an email and tell them to go to designdriven.biz or wherever they find their podcasts. Until next time, remember what Thomas Watson, founder of IBM, said. Good design is good business.